we are judged and we judge uh, possibly every day. Uh, when we meet someone or see someone, we put together thoughts in our mind on, on who they are. Uh, I, I think we all, we all do that. You make assumptions. It's, it might be uh, ways to um, know your environment, know your safety. I mean, we just do that. Um, maybe you see a, a young lady and you think, well, why hasn't she brushed her hair and where's her makeup? And has she bathed in three days? And then you find out, oh, that's a single mom who's working two jobs, uh, who's just wanting to spend more time with her kids. Or maybe you see the, the, the older man who has scars and uh, maybe he's, he's lost an arm and, and, and you think, oh, he had, he had way too much fun when he was younger. The drugs really got to him. But then you find out he was a, a soldier who, um, who, who took, a, uh, took a bomb for his, 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 uh, his platoon or whatever it is. I should probably ask Eric. I don't know what some of that stuff is. But it's not just looks. Henry Ford used to interview people. And he would uh, intentionally do the interviews over a meal. And if the person salted or put pepper on their food before they tasted it, he wouldn't hire them. Seems kind of silly. No, if they made a, a rash decision, uh, an assumption in putting salt or pepper on their food before they, they tasted it, then he assumed that they would also make rash decisions in other areas. Well, that, maybe that's just some, some logic there. I don't know. But some people say, you can't judge me. Uh, the Bible says not to judge. Maybe they're not Christians, and, and it's, but as soon as you start to judge them, then they respect your faith, and they, they, want, they want you to remember what you, uh, what's in your Bible. So we have some hard questions today. Uh, should we judge? If so, how do we judge? And also, who do we judge? These are questions that are answered in today's text. In Matthew chapter 7, we're going to look at this idea of judging others. Jesus moves past the personal temptations we talked a lot about last week, and now he's looking at this idea of the relational temptations. How are we tempted in ways uh, in our relationships with one another? This is a popular passage. You probably, many of you probably know it, um, but it's misused often. The, the hard part with, with this, um, I was really excited to get into the New Testament and specifically the Gospels and to see Jesus' life and to see these ideas of of love and mercy and forgiveness, and I, I just, I love the New Testament, and especially the Gospels, and you see the red letters in your Bible, and, and those are the words that Jesus spoke himself. It's like, this is, this is coming directly from, from God. And, and then we read this passage. Maybe we should go back to the Old Testament. I wish this wasn't here. Why did Jesus have to say this? This sure makes my life a little bit more difficult. But that's the, that's the, the beauty of this. It, it refines us. And so we're going to read this passage anyway and, and go through it because I think it could be very helpful. So it starts out, do not judge or you too will be judged. This idea is to declare someone unrighteous. Uh, in the text, judging means slander, degrade, or insult. And so it would be to tear someone down. Uh, not to build them up, but to, to break them down, maybe talking behind their back, maybe gossip. And Jesus says first, right off the bat, don't do it. This is not what you're going to do. See, the, the Pharisees, they were the religious leaders or the religious elite. And these people, they, they were, some of them at least, uh, thought they were better than others. 
And what they did, they put people in groups. And so there was the Pharisees themselves, and they were the ones who were right with God. But then they had other groups of people, and, and really the rest of the groups, uh, they, were, they weren't. And so the Pharisees had already, already decided who was good with God and who wasn't, and they made the judgment, and Jesus says, no, it's not, it's not your place to do that. You don't get to do that. You're not playing God. I think this is tough because I think we do this too. Uh, maybe, maybe not out loud, uh, but have you ever condemned someone um, in your mind or out loud just, just off of uh, assumptions? Uh, maybe throughout life, if you've lived a long time, maybe you lived you know, through people like Hitler and Saddam Hussein and Osama bin Laden and then groups maybe, ISIS. We're going to come back to this a lot in a little bit. This is not when you realize that someone doesn't know Jesus uh, and, and you want to share the gospel with them so that they will be saved. That is a good thing. This is when you, when you know that someone doesn't know Jesus, you maybe hate them, and you don't want them to ever know Jesus. You don't want to spend eternity with these people. They deserve to, they deserve to die and to go to hell. That's, that's what this kind of judgment is. I think this is getting worse. I think lately this has been very... Uh, uh, it, it's been uh, going on a lot. Think, think about over the last three months, and I want you to think about yourself and no one else, and I'm going to try to think about myself and no one else. Have you had any conversations in the last three months, or have you put anything on social media in the last three months that if someone saw it, they would feel hated? They would feel attacked by you? Just think about it. Maybe look back if you can. If you post, if you post a lot, look back through the stuff. That you, is, is there anyone who looks at this and thinks, oh, yeah, he definitely hates me, or she, there's no way she wants me to uh, go to her church on Sunday? There's a lot of judging going on, and it, I think it's happened in the form of groups. Think about this. Um, racism, sexism, putting people in groups, and, uh, and, and making assumptions or judgments on those people. Well, maybe that's not what we're doing now. We're, we've moved away from that. I, I think we have in a lot of ways. It, it's definitely a, 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 a been a popular discussion over the last few years. But I see groups all the time, and I don't even know what half of them are. I mean, I have to look up. I see, I see someone post on you know, some form of social media or on the news or a headline about this, this group. Did that group exist last week? I don't know anything about them, so I have to Google, what is this group? It's, it's easy to hate groups. It's easy to look at a group and say, I disagree with the group, which might be true. Uh, their values are completely opposed to mine, which also might be true, and I, I wish it didn't exist. None of that is bad. But when we say, I hate that group, it sure is a lot easier than looking at an individual in that group and saying, I hate that person. It, it, it would be tough to look at an individual person, no matter what group they're in, and say, I hate you. But it's pretty easy to get on Facebook or Twitter or go have a conversation and, and, and talk about the group. But how do we really feel? This is, uh, this is a way for us to judge. 
and we do it in a way that makes us feel better about ourselves. And we might say, well, did you, did you see what they said? Did you see what they posted? Did you see what they, what they did? They're, they're destroying our country. Look at them. Did you see what Jesus said? Love your enemies. That's hard. It is really hard to do. When you think that there are people who are ruining your country or messing up your family or messing up your values or your church, it's really hard. I get it. I'm with, I'm with everyone on that. It's hard. When I look into the Bible and I see who Jesus was and I see how he approached people who were not probably uh, sharing the same values as him, he loved them. A lot of us, at times, a lot of us Christians are looking more like the Pharisees than we look like Jesus. That's a dangerous place to be in. And so Jesus goes on to clarify in a way that, that they would understand. Verse 2, he says, For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. How we treat others, how we attack others, how we love others, this is the way that God will show mercy to us. We just read it in the last chapter, if you're going along, Matthew 6, 14 and 15. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Do you believe that you are equally separated from God than your enemy? Think about the, the, the group or, or uh, the person that you think is farthest from God and really makes your life worse. Do you believe that you're just as far from God as them without Jesus? Do you believe that God loves your enemy the same that, that he loves you? And do you believe that he sent Jesus, his son, to die on the cross for your enemy the same as he did for you? It's a little more challenging here. Matthew 7, verse 3. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye? Pay no attention to the plank in your own. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly, clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. This idea here is very simple. Help yourself so you can help others. Yeah, it's okay to help others. We're here for that. But we have to help ourselves. We have to evaluate before we start to evaluate everyone else. The Pharisees had sin in their lives. We have sin in our lives. Jesus says, uh, to them and to us, first work on your own sin issue. Not just once, we have to keep doing it over and over again. We're not here to condemn, but we are here to help each other, and that's okay. And then he throws another curveball. He says, verse 6, Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. This is a tough one. Now, he's talking about, first he says, don't judge, and then he says, you, you should judge, here's how you do it, and then he starts talking about animals and, and uh, jewelry. Uh, I almost didn't even, I didn't even want to keep this verse in here. I thought, well, maybe this is supposed to be like a new section, but it didn't go with the next section, so anyway, it means to use your resources wisely, use your time wisely. You only have one life. You only have so much time to reach out to people, so be wise with it. See, the dogs were, were scavengers at the time. They were not pets. I know that's sad. If you like dogs, 
you have new dogs and puppies, you just, you just want to love them, right? But they were scavengers, and, and the Jews considered them unclean. And pigs also, they were rejected by the, uh, from the, by the Jews uh, and from the Old Testament law. They called pigs unclean. How could you call bacon unclean? That doesn't make sense. The pearls, though, in this, in this verse, that was the symbol of the message of the kingdom of heaven. It was what we call the gospel, the good news. And so what he's saying is we should be merciful and forgiving and we should share the gospel, but we can't continuously waste our time over and over with the same people who, are, who don't have ears to listen, who don't want to hear it. Now, I know that's easier said than done. There are people that I know and that I love that I will never give up on, and I'm sure you have those people too. There are people that we definitely will continue to, whether it feels like a, a waste of time and they're not going to listen and they're not going to repent, we're not going to give up on them, and that's for sure. It's not a free pass to not share the gospel with unbelievers. You might make that assumption, that judgment, well, they're, they're a part of this group, so they definitely don't want to hear me. Now, maybe they're a part of that group because they were looking for hope and they found it more in that group than they did in the church. Maybe they felt judged in the church, so they went somewhere else. So we can't give up and we can't stop and we can't use it as an excuse to not share the gospel and to show people who Jesus really is. And if we misrepresent him, then we're failing those people. We're failing the very groups that we judge and that we hate. We're failing those people because maybe we're the reason why we're there, why they're there. He, he, Jesus speaks on this idea a little bit more in Matthew 10. He sent his disciples out and he said, look, when you go into a town and they don't have the time of day for you, shake the dust off your sandals and get out of there. It's, you can only do so much. And it's hard. We, we wish we could save everyone, but we can't save anyone. Only Jesus does that. And so how do we live this out then? I, I was really trying to think through how can I personally live this scripture out and hopefully we can all use these same ideas, this application to filter it. The first thing we have to do is have a healthy view of God. This is probably, this is the biggest one. A church member called his pastor and said, a tornado just destroyed my house and barn. I'm not surprised, the pastor said. Punishment for sin is inevitable. But it destroyed your house too, pastor. Oh, it did. The ways of the Lord are beyond human understanding. It's just easy to look, look out to others and see, well, this is why this is happening. This is why the bad's happening. But if, if how we view God is so important, if I view God as anything less than a perfect judge, then I'm going to judge myself because he needs help. If I view God as love, and then I come up with these fun ways to say, well, oh yeah, the bad in the world right now, the pandemic, all the natural disaster, this is because God is judging these people. This is God's wrath on these people. If I view God that way, then I've missed it all. God is slow to anger, and yes, there will be judgment in every single one of us. Every person will face judgment at some point, but it's not now. No, he, he, there's a judgment day. There's a time for this. Right now is an opportunity. There's a parable about the wheat and the weeds, and, and, and uh, the idea is that you don't, you, don't, you don't pull out the weeds right now. You leave it, and then wait for judgment. Wait for God to do that. It's not our place. But there's an awful lot of that going on right now. I see a lot of these theories from Christians who say, this is God doing this. Well, that's garbage, and it's making us look bad, and it's misrepresenting Jesus. So we have to have a healthy view of God, and it needs to come from the Scriptures, not everything else. We also have to have a healthy view of ourselves. 
That's important. I could walk into church and I could look around and, and walk through, and, and all the people could, I could say, those people were so unfriendly. They, were, they weren't hospitable. I didn't feel welcome. And I could go into the same church and all the same people do the same thing, and I could say, man, there were people that were asking me questions, and they were in my business, and I just wanted them to leave me alone. That's on me, though. That's not on everyone else. I might be too hard on myself if my view is, is uh, bad on myself. I might be really hard on myself. That means I'm probably going to be hard on other people too. Or I might be real easy on myself and not really worry, oh, that's a little sin there, and that's, I've given into this and that. Oh, well, then I'm probably not going to be of any help to anyone else either. We have to have a good view of ourselves. We must have a healthy view of others. Earl Nightingale said, when you judge others, do not define them. You do not define them, you define yourself. Judgment to make yourself feel better is wrong. Helping someone to walk closer to God is not wrong. That's, that's how it happened. Fortunately, Jesus showed us exactly how to do this. How, how, do, we, how do we, in a way, let someone know that, that what they're doing is wrong or not good for them or anyone, but still encourage them and move them towards God? He did it in John chapter 8, verse 2. It says, At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. And so what happened here is it's basically they're having church. And all of a sudden, the, the religious leaders, they, they brought this woman in that was caught in the act of adultery. And could you imagine? They just, they just bring her in right in front of everyone and make her stand right here in front of everyone. And, hey, she, she, we just caught her in the act of adultery. I mean, how embarrassing would that be? But there was more to it. Because you'll notice they only brought her. They didn't bring a guy in. They didn't care about this act. Now, what they were trying to do was use her as an object. They were trying to use her, it says, to trap Jesus. So they were not treating her as a person. They were looking at something bigger and just using the, the, the victim, the, the first person they could find uh, to be able to do this. Because Jewish law required death, so they, there was nothing wrong with what they were doing. There was no doubt she was guilty. It wasn't like, well, she has to face trial. No, it says in the Scripture, a woman caught in adultery. She was caught in the act. There was no doubt that she was guilty. And so how would Jesus handle this? But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and he said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stopped and, and wrote on the ground. He crouched down. Some people say that he, he wrote things, but he, he literally crouched down like this and started just writing in the sand. Some people say that, you know, that he was writing certain things, but I, I think he, I don't, I don't really think it mattered. It would have said it if it mattered. To those who felt better than her and were condemning her, he stood up, it says. Yeah, he stood up and he challenged them to their face. But to the one who, well, she was guilty, she deserved it. The woman who was embarrassed probably felt worthless. He showed patience. He showed mercy and he showed love. 
He wouldn't refer to her action as anything other than sin. I know that's a problem. I know that we, we sometimes sugarcoat things and justify, but no, no, he, he said this is sin, but he still treated her this way. He refused to allow a mob to treat her like an object. I think that's what we do when we put people in groups. If you, if you believe this, if you're a part of this, if you support this, you're in that group, and so you're just a part of something bigger. You're just an object. Each person has a story, though. It goes on. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left, and with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared now, Go now and leave your life of sin. He forgave her. He challenged her to stop sinning. That's what he'll do for us. We've all messed up. Every one of us. Many times. Maybe a long time ago. Probably for most of us more recently. And what does Jesus do? This is where it has to start. We can't look at how we're treating others until we first see how Jesus treated us. Just like he crouched down for her, he wasn't willing to look down on her, he wasn't putting judgment onto her at that time. That's what he does for us. He crouches down, he shows, I'm not condemning you right now. You have time to repent. You have time to know what I'm all about, a loving and merciful God. Just like he crouched down to her while we were still sinners, he died for us. That's where it starts. As we go out this week and, and, uh, and beyond, I hope that as Christians, we first have to really, really, truly, deeply accept that message. If you don't feel like you've, you've been forgiven, if you don't feel like, like God has shown mercy on you and loves you and has put that stuff behind you, yeah, you're probably going to be judgmental. You're probably not going to be loving. That's, that's, that's just the way we are. If I feel like God doesn't forgive me and doesn't love me, then I definitely want to feel better than those people, so at least I have a chance. That's not how it works. He doesn't look at the groups, and he doesn't make those judgments now. He is forgiving and loving to every single one of us. That's where it has to start. Know that God loves you. Know that he sent Jesus for you. and He also did it for everyone else. Let's pray. Father, you are so good to us in so many ways. Um, I thank you first. Uh, for the forgiveness that you've offered to me. I know personally I am a sinner, and I've failed and messed up more times than I'd, I would care to admit. But you still sent Jesus because of your love for, for me. You did that for each and every person here, and so I pray that we would feel that, that we would, that we would not carry uh, the guilt and the shame uh, of, of things that we've done, but know that we don't have to anymore. You've erased that if we would put our trust in you and accept you as a loving Father. And so I pray that our hearts and minds are open to uh, the idea of the, of the cross and the resurrection. Uh, knowing what we know, let us be the messengers and share that with those people who are looking for hope in the world. Thank you so much for your son. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.